0: Last time on Video Night. Screw you, buddy. I quit. And now... Video Night. Hey there, Michael. Hey, what's up? So, we did, I believe, an episode about one of the greatest coming-of-age stories ever done, right? That's Stand By Me.
1: Yeah, well, we've touched on a few, but yeah, that's probably the most important one.
0: Yeah, that's like one of the ones that's most resonant and true to most people who see it. Are you big on coming-of-age stories in general.
1: I don't know. I think a lot of the problems with coming-of-age stories is that it drowns in nostalgia sometimes, especially now. How do you mean? You know, everybody's crazy about Stranger Things, and it seems like every other day there pops up some new movie that's a throwback to that era, and it seems so fake now. I don't know if that's the way it was for uh, grown-ups well, I don't, in the 60s. I don't
0: think Stranger Things is... Is a coming of age? No, I don't know. I mean, it has hints of coming of age. Yeah, I was thinking of that in
1: It and uh, Summer of 84 and and stuff like that where they try to slip in. Oh, yeah, uh, Summer of 84. Babysitter even. I think those ones are a horror. But you honestly don't see – there's a gap where it seems like there wasn't a lot of nostalgic coming of age stories. And then all of a sudden it's just now like mid-90s and uh, what's it? Eighth grade? I think it's another one.
0: Yeah, I haven't seen either of those. I so kind of yeah. don't want to. Wait,
1: what's the one that we like so much with Steve Carell? Uh, the way, oh, way... oh, The Way
0: Way Back. That yeah, has that was, that was no good. nostalgia. That was really good. No. The, the next one up is Edge of 17. That's pretty good. That's good, yeah. But they're few and far between. And a lot of the nostalgia, well, not even nostalgia, a lot of the coming-of-age stories don't seem to be even for us
1: because they're Taken from YA novels. Yeah, it does seem like it's it's either fantasy Harry Potter copies or, you know, like, what was it? The Truth Among the Stars or something like that. You know, those kind of, like, tragic love stories. You know, low-rent Nicholas Sparks. Aged-down Nicholas Sparks kind of stories.
0: Right. And here what we have, something that's tried and true, something that's stuck with us, and it's written by... A woman. Yeah, S.E. Hinton. I
1: think a lot of people were surprised that she was a female writer.
0: I mean, I was, honestly, to be honest, growing up seeing at least... Two of these on TV and stuff. I had I had no
1: knowledge that she was a lady. Yeah.
0: But I think that goes with the publisher saying like, especially with the stories that we're going to be talking about. And, and um, the era
1: because I was just thinking about this. There's a lot of people back then that had pen names. I was thinking about all those junky pulp action novels that I read about 10 years ago. Like that's none of, none of those guys that's a real name. It's, it's really rare. Well,
0: you had some novelists like Robert Block do some real pulps schlock yeah. under somebody else's name, under a pen name. You had Gore Vidal Doing a pulp. Novel. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I have it. It's it's actually under that hard case crime. Oh, okay, King yeah, yeah, together. yeah, I love that line. And and speaking of Stephen King, he went under Richard Bachman, and that was just to challenge himself, like, the strength of my stories versus my name, Yeah, because he carved out a niche. And the
1: other thing is they noticed that there's also, like, there's that weird phenomenon of licensing out a name, but it's a different writer. Like, the Alfred Hitchcock presents the three investigators. Well, at first, they started crediting Alfred Hitchcock with writing all those, and I think he only wrote the outline for ah. the, the themes of the books. Like, just a 10-page outline created the characters, and, you know, they would give it off to them.
0: He speak- Spielberg did basically Spielberg's amazing stories. Yeah, and it's kind of like that. Right? They did
1: that with Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew. A lot of these youth uh, stories back then were more action oriented. So it's kind of the anomaly of the SE Hinton novels. You know, I don't think there was a whole lot of youth-oriented novels back then that really broke through. And well,
0: there are only four that are adapted.
1: Yeah, which is perfect for us because we only do four. Usually, yeah, every once in a while in a five or six if it's a series. But yeah, it's usually just the uh, the four. And uh, are these? How many books has S. E. C. Hinton done? Well,
0: she's written adult fiction, so there's two adult fiction. She's got an autobiography. She's got two children's books, and she's got. 5. Okay. YA novels. These are actually considered YA novels, but they're among the first to be adapted, I uh, assume actually, cuz it's the first one was written in 1967.
1: Okay. Mm, Part of them feel retro, I think they all feel retro kind of in spirit, but some are set in the past, some are set at the time of filming. And it's kind of interesting, like sometimes you forget, like, oh, right, this takes place now. Because the way, the towns that she writes about, usually it's Oklahoma, these very blue. Yeah, they're all Oklahoma. Poor, blue collar at best. Towns that are just struggling. And, you know, usually towns like that are always behind the times. So yes, it's it's set in 1983, but Oklahoma in the world that they're living in looks like it's still from 20 years prior
0: somewhat yeah so the first movie was a disney adaptation in the 70s let's talk about this for a second in the 70s disney sucked yeah disney
1: lost this is a weird era for disney because you say 70s but i say they were still lost until uh 89
0: no i'm saying it kind of started in the 70s disney died and then in the 70s they had this decade of what do we do so they yeah hammered out a couple of animated features that were not very good and then a lot of TV thing, yeah. They're, they're they're also TV testing the ground or... with
1: like PG oriented stuff, you know. Uh, right.
0: And... I mean, they had some black hole was their foray into the Star Wars type. Right. Thing. We had Condor uh, Man and uh... which was their comic thing, but that was into the 80s. Yeah. Foray. Condor Man looked 70s. Okay. Was 80s, which is weird. And I had the comic book for that, and that really? didn't look very wow. good either. I was yeah. thinking, yeah, because yeah, it, it was Carlton. a really
1: difficult period for them, I and mean, a lot—not a lot of their stuff is good. I know some people champion it, but I think it's through *The Eyes of Nostalgia*. Black Hole is not a good movie. *Condor* Man is not a good movie. No. What's the one? *Last Flight of*. Yeah, movie. stuff Like That*. So expensive. *Flight of the Navigator* didn't do well. *Tron* broke. That's '80s. That's uh, bro, broken. Tron,
0: *Tron* is also yeah. '80s, but I think tr- right like, before yeah. they did 1979, they did this little movie called *Tex*. Based on S.E. Hinton's best-selling novel, Touchstone Films right. presents Tex with Matt Dillon in the lead role. I don't want to see you in another report on Smokey the Cowboy. Oh. You know,
1: you're strong, Tex, but you never could fight with the damn? I'm, I'm part of horse, Yeah? I know which part,
0: too. Pop would send us bills if he thought we'd pay him. I think he's hoping we'll forget we got a father out there. Somewhere between all the good times, the trouble, and all the pain, Tex McCormack is trying to become a man, and it's not easy. Uh, that's
1: Which 79? Was, really? I thought that was 81. Yeah. I'm looking this up. No. I'm going to fight you on this no. one. Well,
0: okay, you're right. No, no. the 1979 was when the novel was written. It's, okay. Of the four movies, it's the first to be made. And you're right, it was 1981. Okay. But Disney struggled... Up until that point, and even that movie isn't very, like, how is this a Disney thing? How is it not a Disney thing? But what is it?
1: It, You know what's funny is it kind of feels like one of their TV movies just on a better budget. I mean, it's really close to that Wonderful World of Disney kind of storyline that they're telling. Uh, I I think it's because it's a little more mature. I bet you if it hadn't been more mature content that it would have gone straight to the Wonderful World of Disney because... In comparison to what they were normally doing, it was groundbreaking. But when you compare it to other movies at that time, it was pretty bland.
0: It's it's a little bland, yeah. but I'm telling you, I still got. I'm talking
1: about visually, yeah,
0: like how it's directed. It's it's not got a lot of crane shots. It's no, not, no, you know, a lot of. Dollies. But the story
1: is complex, and and especially towards the end when it gets too difficult, there's no way they were going to put it as that on television.
0: Yeah, so it's a coming of age adventure about two brothers, and it's not quite an adventure this is what wikipedia says an <laughs> adventure yeah yeah no. i don't think so tex tex and mason mccormick struggling to make it on their own when their mother dies and their father leaves them in their Oklahoma home. And their dad, he was a rodeo clown, maybe?
1: Dad, uh, I can't... Yeah, I don't know if they actually say what he was. But yeah, he works the rodeo. Right.
0: He, but now He, like, tours with rodeos, but then, like, he just stayed away after right. he went Right. Well, I think tour. he's retired
1: now. He couldn't do it anymore physically. He couldn't handle it. So he doesn't know what to do with himself. He doesn't want to go back home. So he just goes drinking around the country. And they're struggling to survive. The only problem... And we never <laughs> see this.
0: We never see the dad until the last act. Right. And uh, the first two acts... Or Tex and his brother, and his brother sells Tex's
1: horse. Yeah, it, it, this it's is Tex's lifeline. Yeah,
0: yeah, it is. It really is heartbreaking.
1: But what else? This is this is the situation they've been put in is because they're both students. Though it's really hard to buy Jim Metzler as a high school student. I, I was like, no, he's not. He's then, a
0: college student. Oh, is he? Okay, I he thought he is, was high. School. Yeah, I he is. is he's a college okay. aide. All right, so he's a college student who is also a teacher's aid. But they don't have enough right? money
1: to keep going and it's a str- you know it's like lose the house or do I sell the horse and that's a big driving point and what pushes Tex over the edge because he seems like he's not a bad kid. He's just You just said over the edge. Oh yeah. <laughs> alright so
0: this movie stars Matt Dillon who had previously starred in a movie called Over the Edge let's talk about it man let's
1: do it for Johnny
0: (laughs) (laughs) which was shot in 1979 or released in nineteen seventy nine, and this is the kind of follow up Is it
1: the same director?
0: I'm I'm not sure. Tim Hunter, let's take a look.
1: Now we know Tim uh, Hunter from River's Edge, and strangely enough I just yes, discovered he did yes, that. This is He did uh, Literally Between Two Worlds <laughs> Tex and River's Edge, yes. Why why is he doing a Nicholas Cage movie? Did you watch it? Is it any good? I'm curious. Oh uh, yeah
0: the between between two walls. Yes. yeah i've seen that is it um, good is it tim hunter worthy
1: <laughs> what is tim hunter's job in that i don't know it feels like it's gun for hire but you know he's a guy who no no
0: he didn't direct that movie no
1: i will certain. okay well that's what it showed me on voodoo i'm looking this
0: a, up. a lady directed it lady. Um, he might have produced it or something but that that movie's weird it is weird, but it's like a
1: Lifetime movie. Oh, I got this wrong. Supernatural he and that. strange. He did Looking Glass. I am sorry. Ah, That's another yeah, Nicolas Cage he... movie that came out, you know, because they're bi-weekly now.
0: <laughs> Between Two Worlds, though, is crazy because it's so melodramatic, yeah. and then it's supernatural, and yeah, it's not... Okay,
1: it's off, it's off the topic now because it's not even Tim Hunter. Crap. Yeah. <laughs> so,
0: derail. Uh, so, so, yeah, um, Tim Hunter did three movies that are edge related well matt Dillon is in two of them and the other one's rivers edge and that they're all three pretty good Um, over the edge made me uncomfortable when i saw it as a kid as a young teen i was just like no i don't like any of these people i don't like this this is uncomfortable because they're bad kids yeah and tex is like as if the bad kids were dialed back and didn't go so far into being bad
1: yeah, and it gives him a chance to be salvageable. I, what's interesting I, is watching the escalation as the two characters go in different directions. You know, Mason, the older brother, he's just trying to grow up. He's struggling, even though he's lost a lot of his youth. He's just like, well, I want to go do right. this, but I have to be responsible. You know, it's, it's struggling, a uh, frustration for him. But then Matt Dillon is, like, just completely and absolute loss. He has no focus, no goals, it seems. And then, you know, he just wants that... He's kind of dumb. Except for that horse, and he's just so driven by that. And then... It takes this flip where he gets stuck in this like wrong deal with a friend of his family, and that's what the story yeah, really the, gets the drug thing. Yeah.
0: Now the drug deal that the friend who uh, just had a baby, and he and his wife are uh, living fine because he's a low key drug deal yeah. dealer. Uh, this is like this is a Disney movie. What? This would never be done now. No, no. You can't no not even Not even in the PG
1: 13 Disney, because... No, you, you yeah. can't
0: acknowledge drug use or any kind of seedy underbelly kind of anything. Right. So that, that's where this movie is actually quite interesting. That it is... Um, it's also been re-released under Touchstone, which was the company trying to distance themselves. Right.
1: Disney is weird in this era, too, because, like I said, they didn't know what they were doing, but they started, like, Silver Screen Partners... And then they did Buena Vista Entertainment. I think was the original distributor of Tex. I can't. Yeah, care. that's
0: just a that's just a tag. Though. Yeah. Yes, you're right. It's a tag. It's then they had Silver Screen Partners three and and uh, Buena Vista. Right. It's
1: not. It's <clears throat> still not. Touchstone, nobody gives credit for. I think Touchstone basically saved Disney because while their their label was floundering, all of a sudden, in, I think it was '84 uh-huh. with Splash. I think it was their first movie. They had nonstop hits. I mean, exaggerating a little bit because they had a few flops, but they had so many hits <laughs> that it basically propped them up. And then all of a sudden in '91, it's like, look, we have so much success with Touchstone, we're going to start Hollywood Pictures, and then we're going to buy Miramax and Dimension, and then it's just now it's yeah. it's only tentpole movies. Where is that? And then they uh. bought Fox. Disney's weird, man. I don't know what the hell they're doing.
0: No, no. But Tex, Tex is a really interesting little film, and it does feel like a television film. It does. It's also the most
1: reserved and quiet, I think, of the four films.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But next, after Tex, you have... The Outsiders, Ponyboy, Dallas, Johnny, Cherry, Soda Pop, Daryl, 2-Bit, Steve, Bob. Essie Hetton's
1: classic novel comes to the screen, capturing all the intensity, all the excitement, all the emotions of youth... The Outsiders, directed by Francis Coppola,
0: which is the one that's been TV staple for years right. until I guess <laughs> I, uh, I 2000. The
1: first time I saw, it, I think, was on HBO during a vacation, and I only caught the last half, so I didn't get the context. And then, like a few years later, we rented it, and I, there's so many different versions of this too, because I've seen the TV version, I've seen the edited for TV version, I've seen the theatrical version, and then I've seen the uh, director's. What's it called? The complete novel edition is the one you yeah, have. Yeah, that's that's the one that I. And have. I told you, you had to get that one. I had
0: seen bits and pieces, or mostly on television. So like TNT or USA or something would show it. It was always late summer or something. I always remember. Yeah, it, it does. Late it, I think it was released
1: sort of at Christmas, thing. but it feels like a summer movie.
0: Yeah. So I see this, and I, I don't really connect to it. And this is not a bad thing. It's just. Uh, I guess, you know how Joe Bob Briggs Monster Vision was on and I had seen a couple of times, but I didn't really connect to it as all these fans do now. But I really understand now that I've watched the complete novel why this movie is such a classic. Yeah. I never had a problem with it. And I never had a problem with Joe Bob.
1: Yeah. Did you for clarity did you but, feel the I I say the first fifteen minutes are really crucial to developing Roblo, uh, Patrick Swayze and C. Thomas's how you know, their their family relationship, which they well, cut what's out. What's the difference? What's the difference? They spend a lot more time building the relationship between them before they break up. The the version that we saw for years basically starts at the drive in. You do not get to spend a lot of time with them as a family before the tragedy really? happens. No, it, it's I didn't even realize it. So
0: those are the those are parts that I actually kind of missed, like you. You came in on it towards the end on HBO yeah. or something.
1: Like so okay. So the, the end is sense. altered a little bit as well. If I remember correct like I want to say it ends may, immediately after he says God, I'm trying to remember now because I've seen the complete version Say so, Gold. Yeah. Yeah, and it seems like it ends up. Dead, but I thought that it added scenes later where the family reunites. So book ends it perfectly is having the three, the trilogy, you know, the brothers together. And at the end, they're together again. And that completes a lot. I didn't realize for a long time that was so different until I read Rob Lowe's book where he discussed, you know, the whole making of it. And I was like, oh, dude, I didn't even know. He was so upset because it, it, it took away a lot from their character. And I feel like the brothers are so much more important in the complete novel. Edition. Right.
0: They, they really are like... It's about the three brothers, but it's really about the one.
1: Yeah. But what what the studio studio notes said was that kids aren't patient enough to sit through this development they want to get right to the action so they cut off that first chunk and start right at the driving, <sighs> which is weird because it was kids in the first place that got this movie made they're the ones yeah, who got together high yeah and they wrote to francis Ford gobel and this basically saved his career because well i mean he would have done fine i think doing movies but what was it one from the heart bankrupted his studio and all of a sudden he became <laughs> toxic because apocalypse now was so difficult to make and that flopped and no one wanted to touch him for a little bit but they're like well the outsiders is a well-known book you know and and that's how he kind of kept zoe trope going but now zoe trope was more of a production company instead of a studio
0: yeah so what's the nutshell of the story too because it's a novel right yeah so it seems like it's a bunch of little stories I
1: mean, sort of yeah it's, it's it's kind of a road movie kind of concept it's just like vignettes almost uh, the, the basic I mean, we've seen the story before a thousand times and afterwards where it's the two classes versus each other you know the preps versus the nerds or the socias versus the, the greasers you know we've seen that story before but i think a lot of of it isn't just nostalgia or the two rival groups. There's a lot of it about building this journey for Johnny and Pony Boy. And yes, Ponyboy is the main character, but Johnny is pretty crucial to it as well. You spend so much time with them just in that little house and you know seeing how they they change to what they look like, you know, trying to look like it's so ridiculous. Like people are going Well they, go on, the land. they yeah. go
0: on the lamb. They do go on the lamb because they were jumped by some socas, yeah some socially upward
1: Yeah, we called them preps in the nineties, preps versus right. like the nerds or the uh, uh, oh, damn it. There was a word for it in our town. I can't remember what it was. Heshers? Nah, maybe it was borderline Heshers. That's for sure. But we had a word for it, and I can't remember. I was. Here's the weird thing, is I lived in a really nice house in a nice neighborhood. I had good parents, but there was something appealing to me for years about the kids on the wrong side of the tracks until – shit went really really wrong one day and i decided that is not part of my group anymore
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh i see yeah it. so pony boy and johnny get jumped and johnny saves pony boy by killing accidentally honestly it's self-defense but he kills one of the socias and then they have to go on the lamb because uh who's the character what's his name well there's leaf garrett Tells the one him. who dies is that what we are talking about leaf garrett dies yeah. no but the the character who tells him to go on the lamb
1: oh oh matt Dillon. sorry
0: yeah matt Dillon is in almost all of of these movies. Yeah. He's in three of them. So he's in the first one, Tex. He's in this one, Outsiders. And he's actually he just got back from prison?
1: Right. A juvie, I think. Yeah.
0: So this is actually really complicated story and I love it for it. Yeah. And everything means everything.
1: It's the most ambitious. Here's the weird thing is there is a slight disconnect because of the way Francis Ford Coppola films it. It's almost dreamlike at times. Um, it really captures the spirit of the novel but it also takes a little bit away I think from your ability to connect to it. The way text, you could really feel these were real 100% characters that you probably know in real life. Whereas there's a little dramatization soap opera. It, it is kind of a throwback to that. What's the guy... Done? Douglas Sirk. It feels a little bit like okay. Douglas Sirk. Uh,
0: the Outsider. Yes. Okay. I, I'm not super well versed in Douglas Sirk stuff. LB likes some of his stuff, and I've seen over the shoulder, you know. But it feels Hollywood. But, that's what
1: it. That's what it is. It feels studio Hollywood, old school kind of filmmaking, which is on purpose. Yes. Whereas text feels like at that moment like this is what the world was like in 1982 for these kids yeah. and you're supposed it's supposed to be it feels more grounded
0: now the one that really shoots for the moon yeah and i think hits it <laughs> is the next one which is my personal favorite of all of these and i love all of these rumble the bronx so it's like oh. <laughs> <laughs> rum- rumble fish. Rubble in the
1: fish. You always try so hard to be like your brother, Rusty James.
0: Hey, my brother's the coolest. Rusty James can't live up to his brother's reputation. We could have run this whole side of town if you just gave me a chance. His brother can't live it down. You know, if you're gonna lead people, you have to have somewhere to go. Matt Dillon, Diane Lane, Mickey Rourke, rumblefish rated r so i'm gonna tell you first and then i'll ask you i came across this on television and i believe it was a and e a and e would show movies once Upon a Time. And they weren't bad. They were art house films. It was called Arts and Entertainment. Yeah, television. I was going to say, back
1: when that was a thing for them. And they would show Hill Street Blues and Larry Sanders and stuff like that. And they showed, you know.
0: No, they would, sh- before that even, they yeah. would show but they would, opera. Yeah, but they would show, like, they would stuff. show ballet. Yeah, high class. And they would show <laughs> yeah. really artistic films. And this was one of them that I decided to change the channel on. And I shouldn't have because it ended up being my favorite. Now, I did a blind buy of this on the Criterion Blu-ray, and I am not Disappointed. This movie is beautiful and it is incredibly surreal. Yeah. Could I say? And it has every actor in it is at their most handsome that they've ever been. We were
1: talking about blind buying and Criterion. I get Criterion is high class kind of stuff. They do a superb job with it. I'm not saying the other labels don't, but when you talk about Vinegar Syndrome in the same quality of voice that you do Criterion, I want to smack you. No. Because of Vinegar Syndrome, I don't. I I don't. Guys who distribute porn sometimes. Yeah,
0: well, they yeah they they just do you know what vinegar syndrome is did i already yeah it's when
1: the film falls apart right and it starts having a uh,
0: it, it's it has that um vinegar scent that purple hue uh, when you project it, yeah. those films that aren't restored in the deterioration of the film grade so a lot of these 50 pack sci-fi movies yep. whatever you'll see <laughs> oh, these the like milk creek why is this pink why is the movie pink it says like battle beyond the astroturf or whatever and then you're like it's pink everything Pink. This is supposed to look like jungle, and it's pink. Everything that's vinegar syndrome. So they're belovedly naming their company after that. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can't. Yeah, not
1: everything from Shop Factory is a classic. Please stop it. No, <laughs> but Criterion <laughs> is something that makes sense with a blind buy. It, you know. But
0: you know, Criterion isn't always on. They got a lot of stuff that I wouldn't. Well, know it's weird. Michael like, Bay would never. What's up with it. the Michael Bay? That was 1990s, and they even wrote "What's Up with It," and I can't quote it, but I'm going to paraphrase.
1: Yeah. So it's kind of big, dumb, fun. But look at the picture. The picture's beautiful. All right.
0: All right. Michael Bay still is an artist that's Kind of the paragraph that they wrote. <laughs> in my my words of it.
1: how did we get to this point? Oh, Rumblefish. My first experience yeah. with Rumblefish is English class. I wanna say really? it was tenth grade. My teacher taped it off television, but there was a weather situation or whatever, and it cut off in the middle of the movie. So she oh. So here's the thing is she went and rented it. She had never seen it beyond television. She didn't oh. she didn't know. We made it ten minutes into the movie.
0: Texas <laughs> PG. Outsiders is PG. Rumblefish is black and white with a midge of color and it's rated R and I would say hard R because the cussing. Oh god, they're
1: pouring buckets of f bombs, just boo 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 boo.
0: (laughs) And that's not why I like it, but I mean, I I get it. Yeah, it's still
1: it's the hardest one for me to get into. I get it, but it almost
0: it it, it's the most surreal and it's the most challenging. The fight
1: sequences are astonishing for 1984, and it almost seems when he
0: rides the bike into the oh my god (laughs)
1: that was I was like that actually happened back then. They could do those kind of stunts, but also. feels a little no no it's
0: what can i tell you about this stunt real quick
1: did it go wrong
0: no the stunt is a rig obviously so the motorcycle boy is mickey Rourke, who is also at his most handsome and he looks like he's from the band the rentals or weezer matt sharp he looks a lot like matt sharp and Matt sharp was the coolest weezer guy anyway and he rides the bike he lets go of the bike so he's just standing there and the bike just tears off yeah but that is on a rig that's on. Okay, so a, once it hits uh, a
1: certain distance, it pulls it and it flips it? Okay.
0: It hits a thing, yes, pulls it, flips it, has a stopper at the end. Flips, but at the same time they had to time it so that the guy who's supposed to be hit, he's to the side of it, and they just pull the cord and he goes flipping too. So they had to time it just perfectly, and he's on a, a springboard like a like an airboard too. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, so they launch the guy at the same time as the So it's total illusion, right? But it's it's really good. Yeah, that the fight scene.
1: sequences seem like ballet dance numbers almost. And I, it's, it's hey, it's, it's you know why? It's intentional though, right?
0: No, it's because the fight choreographer was a dance choreographer okay. for a an opera ballet thing. Yes, you're right. It's not a musical number, but it's so well timed and choreographed that it seems like dance.
1: You Vincent Spano's in this. And uh, I met him for, well, sort of met him. He sat at the table next to me, and I listened to him and his obnoxious brother boast about how great they were. And I was like, you're a good actor, but wait, you're what? a shirt. Wait, what? Wait, wait,
0: wait, wait. <laughs> Boasted about how great he, he was? He was,
1: but then his brother was even worse. Because he was like, I'm Vincent Spano's brother. Treat me like a king. And I was like, this is disgusting.
0: Vincent Spano back then usually took the, the tough kid roles.
1: Yeah, this is. And this is here he plays a nerd. Right, this is around 2007 six is when that happened so his career is long faded he this is like way beyond even the years where dimension embraced him for a brief moment so <laughs> i don't think he got any work and he shouldn't have behaving like that at all right i don't know i, I felt the need to tell that story i don't know why because uh, you like to drag i stars. do why these are supposed to be short episodes i like to milk it
0: so this story is it's just about a, a guy he's an idiot he's a jerk yeah the exact opposite Matt of Dillon. Text, by far yeah <laughs> Matt Dillon is Rusty James. His brother is Motorcycle Boy. I'm going to say this.
1: If I hear the name Rusty James after this moment right now, I'm going to kill somebody. Because they said that name 9,000 9, times in that movie. Was starting I'm going to have
0: to... We're talking about the movie. We're going to have to see right, it. Not right, but
1: after this episode, never again. <laughs>
0: we're
1: going to call him RJ.
0: Uh, so also, I, I just got to tell you, every single person, except for Vincent Spano, because he's not done up to look beautiful, but everybody in this movie is probably in their prime. So Lawrence Fishburne... Burn is the coolest cat on any block ever. And if you see the color photos from behind the scenes of him and the crew hanging out, yeah. he is brightly colored. He's got like a bright red shirt on, skinny black tie, the fedora hat and all that. Skinny, skinny pants instead of the... Because uh, obviously he's a black guy. But there was a time where black dudes in fashion didn't do the baggy pants thing and it's coming back around right now. Huh. Lawrence Fishburne plays a very tall guy and they call him Midget. But he's the guy that's kind of the go-between. The two gangs, because it's always gangs, and he's the conscience of Rusty James. He's like, "Are you sure you want to do that, Rusty James?" And he's the guy who says Rusty James the most. I, I wish,
1: think. I wish we could get it on start live. What's that guy's boy
0: Rusty James. Don Pardo. Don
1: Pardo just having to walk in just for no reason, just to say it. I just want to Rusty James. My jokes suck today. The Motorcycle
0: <laughs> Boy. <laughs>
1: party! well, special musical Father, guests!
0: Biff Wilcox! <laughs>
1: Biff Wilcox. <laughs> is that a real
0: name? Yeah, Biff Wilcox is uh, Glenn Withrow. Who is that actor? Dunno, but Biff Wilcox is the guy that wants to fight Rusty James, and see, the motorcycle boy had had enough with the tough street life, so he hightailed it west, and he hung out in San Francisco and L.A., and got enlightened, came back, and didn't want to fight anymore. And what happens, the first thing he does? Kills the guy with his motorcycle <laughs> No, I don't
1: think he killed him. Oh, okay. Really? Uh. <laughs> yeah, no. That just, would kill me. <laughs> no, it's
0: just. Inc- yeah, it would kill just about anybody, but I don't think. He- that was Biff Wilcox. I don't think he killed him. That's just a flesh but, uh- wound.
1: We're okay. Dust it
0: Officer Patterson has a thing for him In the sense of a, a, a lust to take him in constantly yeah. And jail him And then hassles Rusty James So it's still one of these wrong side of the tracks things Also still has a father who's derelict played by Dennis Hopper This is part of the
1: Hopper renaissance, right? It seems like the very beginning of him coming back After pretty much a long hiatus Well, as,
0: as you said Now this movie was made and released at the same time or same year 1983 as the outsiders it was in development while they were shooting the is outsiders. that crazy
1: that he was putting it all together while filming i would want to focus on one movie at a time for sake. well he
0: was he was shooting the outsiders and that was totally studio backed and everything and they had the right location and everything and so on and then he talked to hinton and she was like well i have this other story and he's like yeah i'm feeling this let's let's look at your stories and he looked at that one and he's like i like this one a lot let's do it and they did a lot of weird stuff with it he has an out-of-body experience yeah that was really cool and they fact. shoot that all in camera which is they took a body model of him they, they modeled his body basically just a cast a mold and then they made a cradle out of that cast and hooked him into it so he's basically wearing a, a slightly larger version of himself and that's made out of steel or iron. Yeah. And they have that on an arm, and the camera is pointing down at him. And then they lift it up off the ground, and you have all the action going below. And he's in camera. It's all live. It's still kind of dangerous. Yeah. Because who knows if the dolly or the crane <laughs> is going to do what it's supposed to do. Could fall hey, and bonk yeah. him on the also, head, this, you know? it
1: seems more like a filmmaking experiment for Coppola. Like, he does little things, like, uh, the whole thing with the clouds. And showing the reflections of it in glass and stuff like that. I think he was using reverse... Uh, what do you call it? Where you project it onto a screen and
0: back projection. Uh, yeah,
1: rear screen projection. Uh, he had that going on, then bouncing off that window in order to get that to work. But it's just really interesting ideas. Like he was just like, well, was this originally supposed to be in color, and he changed his mind and turned it to black and white later, or I mean, how did they even?
0: I don't. I actually didn't get
1: to that. I'm trying part. to figure out how they did like the fish. And, and they're,
0: oh, they're, the fish that was a kind of a composite. They did shoot the fish in color, but they shot it in such a way that it, was, okay. it had a glass. I was wondering if they rotoscoped it behind I
1: couldn't, it. I couldn't figure that out. No, they didn't rotoscope.
0: Okay. No, it's total that low budget ingenuity. Yeah, but no, <laughs> ingenuity. This
1: it, still bombed. Even even is it costs a lot less than Outsiders.
0: I don't know how it couldn't bomb. Yeah, that's I mean true. this movie is too smart. It's too interesting, and I mean smart made the stories are what they are they're always wrong side of the tracks kids but it's incredibly
1: active is this the last movie where he really took a risk cinematically because i feel like after this no. yes cotton club no cotton Stole-
0: dracula dracula
1: oh, okay i forgot he even did that i was trying to think i was like he did godfather 3 then jack and i was trying to think what he did during that period and i was like eh.
0: no it's dracula and then later twixt Twixt is a risky Oh film my god, it, I heard
1: he's been making movies. And Youth Without Youth, I think, is another one, right? And uh, Youth Without Youth yeah. and
0: Tetro. Uh, and I haven't seen Youth Without Youth or Tetro. Yeah. But I have seen Twixt and I didn't like it. Okay. But, but it still, is he's, he, art he's
1: doing stuff that's more like Rumblefish now.
0: Yeah. At least Twixt was. Uh, that was some sort of fable weird thing. Yeah. I couldn't even follow it. But Rumblefish is still an S.E. Hinton story. So it works in, in the vibe of her previous two. It's just rated on. You know? Yeah.
1: Well, so is the the fourth one, right? The final
0: film. Well, he said, yeah, he said, though, about Rumblefish that he wanted to make an art film for teenagers.
1: And I guess, that's what, I guess that's why they rejected that's it. Because we're, talk, we're talking during the time period when Revenge of the Nerds is a huge movie and Porky's. <laughs> so, I'm not sure. Yeah, either. well, I
0: mean, that's, obviously, that's why it crashed. Yeah. But I wish I had not changed the channel. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I and
1: mean, this last time is the only time I've ever seen the whole thing. I've, only, I've seen bits and pieces before, but I've never watched the whole thing until this, you know, just a couple months ago.
0: It's incredibly rewarding.
1: Actually, you know what? I I've, think only, ever seen, I've only ever seen The Outsiders. No, I think about it, I'd never seen text before. and I'd only seen part of that was then This Is Now, and I didn't get, like, I got like the last half it I didn't get what was going on so I just turned it off
0: you just said what that was then this is what (laughs) yeah the next movie yeah this is
1: the next movie
0: that was then this is now they lived in a world where friends counted how you doing (laughs) and rules didn't did you steal the sandals no actually it's a loner one saw the future coming
1: you ever get the feeling that the whole thing's just changing the other didn't know what hit him seem to be only get away with anything anymore
0: Emilio Estevez Craig Sheffer that was then. This is now. Read it on. This
1: is probably your favorite of the bunch. This is probably my weakest of the
0: bunch. Well, no, it's not my favorite. My favorite is Rumblefish. Oh, Fish. okay.
1: Okay. Rumblefish is my absolute favorite. But You literally just said that. I don't pay attention. I don't listen to anybody. <laughs> Voices in my head have taken over. <laughs> but Emilio Estevez is the other
0: actor who's Emilio! been in most of these. So he, Emilio's been in three of these, Matt Dillon's been in three of these. Emilio was in text. Are they the only two? Yes. They're the
1: only... No, no, Diane Lane reoccurs. I Diane, She's an, yes. Outsiders She's an outsider. She's an outsider.
0: Yeah, right. But the, the, the most. So three of these each. Yeah. So let's go. Matt Dillon, Tex. Matt Dillon, Rumblefish. Matt Dillon, Outsiders. Right. Emil- Emilio Estevez, Tex. He's the best bud. Who's uh, born with a silver spoon. We forgot they even mentioned that.
1: And that was that his first movie. I yeah, I was thinking about that. But, you know, I, I got like I have a very short attention span, so I thought about it, then it immediately disappeared.
0: Well, he's he's one of the big motivators in the Tex movie. Um, anyway, watch Tex. It's actually really good. So Tex, Outsiders, and that was then. This is now. He had a big row with his dad about that was then this is now really yeah so martin sheen why he's like son you don't want to play this character this character's a bad guy and he's like yes i want to play this character because he's not just a bad guy you get to understand and know why he is the complicated guy that he is and sometimes does bad things and his dad is just looking at it and it's black and white he's like no he's bad you should play the jock you should play the brother. Yeah, because like, have already
1: done that. I, I understand exactly. where he's coming from with this. Exactly.
0: Yep. You just quoted it. I've already done that, Dad. I just did that in The Breakfast Club. I just did that in this movie or that movie. And so he really pushed to get this movie made and to star in it. That was then This Is Now.
1: You know, I think about Emilio's career during the 80s, and he is, like, the exact opposite of his brother most of the time. Especially, like, in his directorial efforts, most of the time he plays damaged characters. Like, The War at Home and stuff like that, and um, Wisdom. Right, and well, he directed and Wisdom. And Repo Man, yeah. I just think about some of the movies he did during this period, he seemed like he was kind of, like, the anti-Andrew McCarthy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he wasn't Matt Dillon level, but he played a lot of characters with Edge, and I really enjoy He's my favorite, of course, of the duo, because he hasn't embarrassment himself on a national stage
0: <laughs> right so did you know this was a sequel to the outsiders
1: you know only after reading it up one of the one of the characters i think is older and he is in this movie right it's like 20 years later and he's like uh, him all grown up which character is it though yeah i don't know <laughs> oh, damn it. all right I really you know, I think you're setting me up for something no
0: no i wasn't setting you up at all I, it's, it's just this I, I think it's set in the same town i think it's just years later i don't really know how it's a sequel no i'm almost
1: certain that there is a character and that was in this is now is one of the boys from outsiders all grown up i love how the movie opens because you and i are both huge danny elfman loingo boingo fans yeah yeah and i don't know i it's not a bad movie the reviews were god awful that's why i I put off seeing this forever but i do feel like there's something missing in this movie i'm looking for and i don't know what it is though
0: hmm it's the one that doesn't have there's a certain level of I think your gut, when you watch the other movies, you have this great esteem for the characters. You really have come to love those characters, including Tex, actually. So you've come to love Tex and his brother and you've come to love the Outsiders all of the gang and you've come to kind of really appreciate at least <laughs> at least appreciate you really think Motorcycle Boy is totally cool but you also kind of think I get it I accept him you know James I know James. it is I was
1: just thinking about it it's about the redemption of characters you get redemption of all the main characters in the first three you know you get that journey of them teetering on going one way or another whereas I think Emil Espo's character doesn't get the redemption he goes down yeah. whereas the doll character Craig Sheffer's character I just that, I think that's the problem I think Craig Sheffer is the problem with this movie for me I just didn't find him interesting
0: um I've not really seen many movies or any movies where he's that interesting and i'm sorry yeah. because he's a working actor and he's
1: made a couple good movies but he's not the inter- like the grave is fantastic but he's the least interesting part about it uh nightbreed i guess i, I, I guess a... makeup effects I, I i i love seeing him in that voyage of the rock aliens where he embarrasses himself <laughs> when she cringes every day
0: oh <laughs> uh, no multi-colored hair <laughs>
1: so it was pony boy curtis in the book pony boy is a main character and that was that this is now all grown up and they draw it from the movie so that's wikipedia
0: ridiculous yeah. why count it as a sequel if that's the only link and you cut them?
1: yeah it's like the way what is it lady in cement is connected to die hard because they're both based on the same character Roderick thorpe wrote in the novels <laughs> which is weird because i guess technically frank sinatra got first dibs at playing oh right <laughs> yeah yeah it's true so yeah technically they're in the same world but only in the novel world
0: well that was then this is now is the Rivalry between—they're not brothers, are they? It's old, older no, brother figure. they like they're brothers, best yeah. buds to the point of yeah. Okay, so and one's a straight shooter, and the other one doesn't want to shoot straight at all because it's easy. It's easier that way.
1: Yeah, he's more entertained by bad situations. It's like he has a taste for dangerous uh, <laughs> things that he gets himself into. Huh. He wants to fight. He wants problems.
0: Do you remember the movie Night Watch with Ewan McGregor and J- Josh Brolin? Josh Brolin. Yeah. yeah. So he's like did Josh Brolin. Just, just reports, to one of
1: our most well-known characters as Brand. Yeah. <laughs> our well-known actors.
0: Yeah. He's Brand. All right. In the right. Goonies, you know, Josh Brolin, right. Brand. No, he hasn't
1: done. He hasn't done like a hundred of. No, no. Like he's hours. not
0: Thanos. He's Brand. <laughs> he's Thanos in cutoff shorts.
1: I'm <laughs> <laughs> still wearing the glove. <laughs> yeah. So that, God, I would watch Avengers that many more. Other. It'd be called Infe- Avengers Infinity Shorts. <laughs> <laughs> no.
0: I, I just was reminded of the two characters. Emilio, having been grown up now 10 years past his age, and that was then, this is now. He would be like Brolin's character in the other movie. Just
1: up the danger, man. Yeah, some people have a fascination for it. It's weird. Like, some people just. They're not comfortable with safe and, and, and they want like disaster constantly and that's part of his character problem and, and Craig Sheffer's character isn't interested in it anymore. It's time for it's time for him to grow up. You know, they can't keep pulling these kind of things. He you was know, like, Look, I have to go in a different direction and that's and that the theme of,
0: of text. Yeah. yeah. So what I've noticed though about all of these stories is that S. E. Hinton really loves these boys. And it's not a sex love, it's not a, a boner love, it's not a girl who has the hots for these characters. She wrote The Outsiders while observing kids in her school who were on the wrong side of the tracks, and she's like, "Well, what is it like? And why do we vilify them?" And then she as a teenager, she wrote the story. Got it published in 67, and it became such a classic because it is a don't judge these
1: people. They're just trying yeah, to live. They're just struggling to live. They're just different than you. And that's the one thing that bothers me so much about the outsiders. You're just like... Dude, they're just poor. That's, That's it. it? <laughs> That's
0: it. They're poor. They they also look way cooler than you, just wearing the rags that they're wearing. Yeah. Why are you trying to beat them up? Stop it. So she really has an affection for these types of characters, and it shows in her writing. And that is actually the most moving thing I was impressed by in all of these stories. Because mm-hmm. though I'm not from the wrong side of the tracks, you know, deep down inside, I feel like that a
1: lot. Yeah. I've obviously, I'm middle class. Or I mean, they doesn't exist anymore. But growing up, we were always middle low class. We were lower so, middle
0: class. Yes, we were always still yeah, struggling, I, I just, but we I didn't look. I was just
1: look... friends with everybody. I didn't judge anybody based on how much they had. It's just so weird that people do.
0: We just didn't look like we were poor, you know. No. And I was put through a private school, and then I was bullied my whole time. So I relate a lot to these stories. Being surrounded by people who do have money or who are pretending to have money, because yeah. who knows? Maybe they were in the similar situation as me, and their parents were scraping by just to put the in the private school and those kids were acting out and finding who they thought was the weaker link to beat up on and that was me. I wasn't weak. I just didn't want to punch back.
1: I was so small. so I was an easy target. I didn't shoot up until junior year. I was an easy target, but there was the we call them the Warren kids Warren was kind of a richer suburb with all the here's the weird thing is they were all from farms which is funny because usually in the movies they make fun of the kids that lived on farms which right. where all the money was in this town right so, so the farm it's always kids.
0: class yeah. it's always the class warfare between that little microcosm
1: yeah and I just wanted to be friends with everybody but for some reason they just didn't like it like a few of them liked me and wanted me to hang out with them but a couple really didn't care for it I remember getting punched in the kidneys so hard in the middle of the commissary and I just kind of fell to the ground and i was like oh god what is going on and then realized that day i cannot i'm not allowed to i'm not allowed to hang out with my own friends in that group no one stood up for me so i just had to go hang out with someone else
0: wow yeah yeah that sucks it really spiraled
1: from there spiraled down yeah
0: yeah so i relate to all of these stories in some kind of way and i think if you can't relate to it you are probably part of the class divide
1: my yeah maybe that or you just hate movies (laughs) right (laughs) Ugh, stories about people. I had a boss once who's like, I don't like movies that make you feel things. What? Really? <laughs> okay. How good well, movies what? are.
0: I mean, you can watch other movies that don't make you feel anything at all. But sure.
1: I guess Michael Bay movies.
0: <laughs> uh, that's like fireworks. That's all it is. It's just look at this sparkly yeah. thing. Explode. That's no.
1: That still makes you feel something. I don't know what this guy does. So I, he probably just he, he probably does bad things in his basement. Let's just ah. Uh, uh, I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't either. All right. So I, I think that's it. It is. I have a life. I don't have to talk to you anymore. <laughs> okay. So I was thinking about this. We were talking about doing the aliens because it's the 40th anniversary. But I realized, guess what? Everybody is discussing aliens no right way, now. Dude, so forget don't it. even. Don't bother. Do the do yeah, alien
0: version versus Predator, or or do the alien knockoff movies? I don't know.
1: Well, we've been talking about that for a while. But there is something that we've been having on the background. I have a list here, a list over the last two years of ideas that we have never got around to. We're not going to talk about any more new things until we do this last.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I know. I, I bought some sword and sorcery fantasy movies. Yes. So I know that that's got to be happening sometime. We're, no,
1: we're just going to do that next. Let's just do it. And we'll do the maybe dragons after that. We have that on the list. This is what we have on the list. I just want to let you know. We have... Uh, <clears throat> Pulp Heroes, which is like Tarzan, Solomon Cain's, uh Remo Williams, John Carter. We have fantasy. We have uh, VHS-oriented movies. Dragon movies. Okay, we did the spoof. Uh, Survive the Wild. Silly Girl Flicks. All Night Long. John Cryer movies. We did The Crow. Avengers before they were Avengers. The Tarantino uh, axi- knockoffs. The uh, Tarantino knockoffs. Action stars go horror. The Brat Pack gets tough. Movies based on sketches. Oh, my God. Uh, There's so many yes. of these
0: things that I have no knowledge... That you've even <laughs> oh
1: we have but you I mean no some of, them, forget, some of them some of
0: them I'm aware of but some of them I'm think, actually not aware of <laughs> like you're like yeah oh,
1: the God. brat pa- the brat pack gets tough is the only one I think that we didn't discuss but you, and we, that's not only like half the ideas if I go through our messenger and look up ideas oh sure oh dear God it's uh, can I just I'll get a scroll out like here the video night <laughs> we we decree. <laughs> yeah that's a funny image (laughs) watching everybody yawn and walk away no one cares about your stupid podcast go away right all right that's it okay (laughs) good night everybody man go go listen to another episode of our show man do it for johnny